Welcome. You are listening to the My Mike and I podcast. I am your host, Noah Alvarez, and we are on episode 73 on the show. But before we get into this week's episode, I do want to give a shout out to Generic Sports for producing the instrumental in the background. You can check out more of his work at soundcloud.com slash generic sports. Also, shout out to my man, Vince Correa, who designed the My Mike and I logo. He's really helping me grow this podcast. He also recently got engaged, so I want to congrats him, congratulate him and his fiance. Yeah, but yeah, big things to come on the show. But before that, a reminder, this podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud. Yeah, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher 2. And don't forget, we're available on the Big Heads Podcast Network. They are a network that has plenty of podcasts available on their site. True Crime Podcast and Craft Beer are actually really big right now. And the Brew Crime Podcast has found a way to incorporate both on their show. Here's a brief commercial explaining a little bit more on their show. This is Brew Crime, a craft beer and true crime podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Beck. And I'm Nina. And we're your hosts. We pair a true crime story with a craft beer. That Nina will probably hate. Yeah, probably. Whatever. You can find our show on all your favorite podcast apps, and if you can't find it, contact us, and we'll try and change that. We can be found at brewcrime.com, or on Twitter at brewcrime, on Facebook at brewcrime, or if you want to go to our group, it's group slash brewcrime on Facebook, or on Instagram at Pacific Beer Chat. Join us as we discuss the horrible crimes that surround us and try not to giggle. Boom, Noah Alvarez back in action, episode 73 of My Mike and I. But before we get into this week's show, I want you to check out some of my other work. I'm a multimedia journalist trying to make it in the industry. I got my website portfolio on Wix. Uh, You can search noahbenjaminalvarez.wixsite.com. I also have a column at theballout.com. Check out some of my more recent articles. Covered a lot of the NFL for them. I also host the Coaches Show over at Fullerton College. You can find those videos on YouTube. Search KBPK on YouTube. And you can see videos of me doing my thing, interviewing players, interviewing coaches, getting insight for the week ahead, and also taking a look back at the previous week for Fullerton College football, also highlighting some of the other sports going on at Fullerton College. I also get to broadcast local high school games as part of that internship. This week we did a a, a Thursday night game, which is rare. Usually we do Friday night games. But we did a Thursday night game between Anaheim High School and Santiago High School. And let me say, that was a lot of fun. 27 to 24 was the final score. For those of you interested in high school football, Anaheim came out on top. Um, But head coach of Santiago High School, Brandon Croft, really Really good dude, really had a lot of fun talking with him before the game, gave us a lot of insight. Love when coaches are very open about their team and very open about their goals and about their vision. Love hearing that kind of stuff. On to the NFL, congratulations Melvin Gordon, running back of the Los Angeles Chargers, you played yourself. And now the Chargers Chargers may not even play you. (laughs) The running back tried holding out for a big contract this offseason, but the Chargers never caved in typical of the Chargers and now he returns to the team without a contract and maybe without a exact fit on the team because backups Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson have been doing very well I know those of you who are Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson fantasy owners may not want Melvin Gordon back as well but the team despite the two losses have really done 
pretty solid this year at the running back position without Melvin Gordon. So it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic comes into play. Also, the Antonio Brown saga has officially come to an end, or at least I think so. The New England Patriots uh, released a seven-time Pro Bowler as he undergoes investigation for his sexual misconduct allegations. Brown took it to Twitter saying that he was done playing for the NFL. He's had one hell of a year. It's been one roller coaster ride, one thing after another, and who knows if that's going to hold true. But to Antonio Brown, man, take care of your mental health. There might be a lot of things going on in there. I just, I just hope to see Antonio Brown get well after all that he's been through this year. Also, moving on to the MLB, the playoffs are right around the corner. MLB postseason, yes, like baseball on this podcast. The Yankees, Twins, and Astros have already clinched their divisions in the American League. Also, the Braves and Dodgers have clinched their division in the National League. Both the NL Central and the NL Wild Cards are still up for grabs. Both the Wild Cards, actually. At the time of this recording, I'm recording this early, 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 early Friday morning. But that'll make for an interesting finish to the regular season, and I'm also looking forward to postseason baseball. One of the better times of the year is October. The month of October not only has playoff baseball, you got football, which is already a month or so in. You have college football, which begins conference play. It's just a lot going on. You also have the beginning of hockey. Also have the beginning of NBA soon, too, as well, at the end of August or towards the middle of August. So just a lot going on in August. It's a great time to be a sports fan. On this week's show, I want to start off by saying thanks to everyone listening, but I'm a little salty to everyone who didn't participate in the listener interaction question of the week. Now, I'll admit, it's a little bit on me. That's a little bit my fault. I only asked the question on Instagram, and I know a good chunk of you listening probably don't have an Instagram. Um, I should have asked the question on Facebook and Twitter as well. But nonetheless, 150 plus people watched that story. Only one person replied. It's all right. It's a new thing. I'm trying to still, you know, work it into the show. It'll be better going forward. I'll, you know, I'll incorporate it on the other multimedia platforms, social media platforms. But nonetheless, question of the week will be related to each show's topic of discussion. And this week I asked the question, if you could start any charity, which would you start and why? And my good friend from Woodland, California, Griffin Montoya, responded, he would start a charity that would benefit young boys without father figures, providing them mentors. And I, man, Griff, you loved hearing that kind of stuff. You know, me specifically, I work at the Boys and Girls Club, and there I serve as a mentor for a lot of boys who don't have father figures. And, you know, I can't tell you how much it is needed in today's society to answer my own question i would love to start a charity that sends high school athletes who are looking to continue playing um, at the next level but didn't maybe necessarily get a scholarship and maybe aren't don't have the financial means to be a preferred walk-on i would love to find those kids in orange county in la county or just in surrounding inner cities and be able to send them off to college. I'd also love to start a charity that is a leadership program and helps from an early age, kids in the inner city, help them develop leadership skills and also help them develop career interests. I'd love to start something along those lines. Hopefully down the line, I can eventually grow those dreams into a reality. And you know, the reason I asked that question is because on this week's show, I have Mac. And Mac, I met while working at the Boys and Girls Club of Garden Grove. We talk about a lot of things at the on the show. It's, it's a fun conversation. We talk about him growing up in Haiti to 
Florida to New York, back to Florida, and eventually to California once he was a little older. But we also talk about some of his visions and his goals. Working with the Boys and Girls Club, you're surrounded by people who are just very high energy, very positive when working with the kids. Mac is one of those people, one of those you know dudes who I just, when I first started working, I remember on my first day, and we went over to an elementary school, we're teaching a basketball clinic, and just really what it is, it's pretty simple. You're just teaching these young kids how to play basketball and teaching them the fundamentals, but Mac was so involved with these kids, and you know we talk about how he gets the energy and the the commitment to being able to give 100% to these kids. And so we talk about that, his passion for working with the kids. We also talk about the future charities that he would like to start and get started pretty soon as far as helping the homeless, also helping youth that are homeless. And so Mac, really just really great, genuine dude. And we just bounce around from topic to topic here on the show. It's a fun conversation. So without further ado, hope you enjoy the conversation between Mac and I. So tell me, what was growing up and being born in Miami like? Uh, well, I don't know. What I was growing up in Miami. I was what, like, four years old. Like after my my brother was born, we moved to Haiti after my grandmother passed away. But my mom couldn't deal with the grief, so she left us with our aunt. And so then we just straight grew grew up there. And so Miami was on the back burner, and then. Haiti was just a whole different chapter because it, it evolved me into the person I am today mm-hmm. because growing up with not knowing when your next meal is coming, when you're going to have clothes, shoes, whatever. And then now you're, you're grown up fast forward now and you're like, whoa, I understand the value of a dollar a lot more now, you know, mm-hmm. because like you could buy something where like you're thinking, hey, there's somebody right there who's starving. So understanding the concept eating and throw it away kind of thing like it just came into realization mm-hmm. we're pretty fortunate we live in a, a first world country they call it yeah haiti a third world country third world, exactly like on a daily basis how often would you see people just kind of like hungry or just homelessness well see that's the thing like we live in america mm-hmm. and i see a lot of homeless people right but in haiti yes there's homeless people there's hunger there's all of that but at the same time we're very like, how would you say like, uh, we're very tricky. Like we know our way around to find things mm. to make things happen. Like if we need food, we'll go. Like some people have farms, mm-hmm. so they'll go to a farm and <laughs> borrow, in a sense, and then just go and make something to eat. Like you know, we use ten cans real quick, a little piece of wood, burn it, mm-hmm. and then use it as charcoal and cook. Like, we're very, very creative in that sense. Mm-hmm. So we find ways to eat. But homelessness, man, I thought it was bad. Mm-hmm. But I've seen it out here, too, and it's really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And it breaks my heart to where we're in a country where we have millions and millions and millions of dollars. If it was in the third world country, fine. I'd understand. I'd be like, yeah. right, cool. I mean, it's not cool, but it's understandable. They don't have the resources and, and the funds and everything. We have all the resources we're spending money on war mm-hmm. where we could just use like a build housing units for homelessness yes we have shelters but they can only do so much mm-hmm. you know and it's up to us as people to come together and try to help those who really really need because man like i said watching it from haiti and then watching it here two different perspectives because mm-hmm. we'll find a way to eat but here it's harder and we have more resources mm-hmm. you know people sitting outside hey give me a dollar 
And then people look at them like, oh, you're just going to buy crack with it. Yeah. That's the first thought that comes right. to mind, you know? Mm-hmm. But you don't really know what they're going. They probably have a kid in the corner just sitting there. We're like, hey, my kid's hungry. I got to feed him, mm-hmm. you know? That's that. Yeah. Now, it definitely seems like homelessness in America is that, like, piece of trash that just gets brushed under the rug. And we never really address it. We never pick it up. We never clean it. But it's just something that, you know, I know I get it that, you know, politicians have a lot of other things to worry about. But when it's, especially when a lot of them are veterans, it's it's, it's really sad to see, like, the amount of homeless people. I live here in Anaheim, uh, or right, I live in Orange, but right by the Angel Stadium. Mm-hmm. And a few years ago, the whole bike trail right by Angel Stadium, right across the Honda Center it. for like half a mile was just flooded with homeless people, tents, and people would bring, you know, people were very comfortable living there. So I saw people when I'd walk to, you know, to the Honda Center after parking my car in a, a, a lot across the bridge, you'd walk by and you'd see people have TV set up, people have like, you know, generators and people were cooking on, on you know, those uh, the campfire grills and stuff like that. So people got really comfortable just living on the side of a bike trail and eventually they had to kick them out just because they didn't want to see him there. And I, I get why they kicked him out, but it was just, it's sad to see that many homeless people. And it's not just here in, in LA or the Southern California area. You go to San Francisco, mm-hmm. Sacramento. Uh, I've been to Phoenix. There's a lot of people there too, Las Vegas. You know, it just everywhere I've traveled to, I feel like there's homeless people everywhere. There was one point like uh, back home in Florida. Um, I forgot what I was doing. I, I had just went to go play a basketball game and I finished. It was a cold night. And as I'm walking out, there's it's a, it's at a like a public park and this lady and her daughter are sleeping right there in the corner by the bathroom just like literally like just barely a blanket and it's freezing cold mm-hmm. so drove to Walmart bought him a blanket and I was like hey nice at least sleep better uh-huh. you know because bro like it was freezing cold. I was outside playing basketball and I was cold mm-hmm. just imagine laying on that cold ground yeah you know and that broke my heart like into like a thousand pieces because these kids, they don't ask for that. Mm-hmm. They don't ask for any of this, man. They just want to grow into a world where they just feel safe. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like, like That's all they want. And I saw a lot of that in Sacramento, too, just with the extreme weather. Because here in Southern California, you know, it's pretty, it doesn't really get below yeah. 50, you know. And if it does, it's very rare. But in Sacramento, the winters get cold. It, it would get to like 35 at night sometimes. And I remember there was a few times as part of the baseball team we 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 had early saturday not early saturday early friday morning practices mm-hmm. at this uh baseball field you know a, a few blocks away from the campus and yeah we, we would go there in the morning and usually we get there like 8 30 9 in the morning and we'd see sometimes we'd have to kick out people that were sleeping in the dugout mm-hmm. and these people you know like i said it, it was winter or just coming into spring so it's still like 40 degrees at night and these people just have one blanket with all their stuff, sleeping in the dugout, and I just like I don't know how they, and, and it rains crazy hard too in Sacramento. So to, you know, if there was ever a night where it was raining super hard, there was some coverage in the dugout, but it's Not one much, of those yeah. you know it's a little league dugout, so yeah. it wasn't anything crazy. So it's just it's pretty gnarly the the things that homeless people will have to endure. And it, it's it's I don't know man, it's just one of those catchy little things. Like we we have to find a way. To, I don't know. Somebody has to start the movement. I mean, there are programs out there to help but they can only do so much mm-hmm. without any funds resources or even help because sometimes all they need is volunteers mm-hmm. and the volunteer if they have enough volunteers they could go from place to place and help out eventually we will get there mm-hmm. eventually <clears throat> so how long did you stay in haiti for i was there for eight years mm-hmm. a good portion of eight years Le- learned how to play soccer over there Played tennis, played volleyball. I did play a lot of sports. That's how I kept myself out of trouble. Mm-hmm. 
having younger siblings living there with you, you know, kind of take her, take them under your wing, try to be a mentor, you know, do right thing, mm-hmm. keep them out of trouble as well. Because the older ones, they did what they wanted to. So at that point, you just yeah. had to take the young ones and protect them. <laughs> By the age of eight, I was unfortunately shot. Um, I was in a area where it was a soccer game and people were mad that they were losing and they started shooting. Wow. And I just happened to get caught in the crossfires. Um, yeah, that was a shock to me because I was like, wait, what? I'm shot? Mm-hmm. Okay. Guess whatever. Good thing I had a nurse that lived right next door to me. Mm-hmm. She took care of me for three weeks straight, mm-hmm. made sure my wounds were ch- my, were cleaned and everything. Where did the bullet hit you? Right here. In the elbow. Wow. Yeah, it, it literally cut all the way through. You could see bone. Because uh. it was one of those flesh wounds that cut really deep. Yeah. It was one of those. And then um, that right there was the eye opener. It was like, okay. We got to do better. At eight years old? Yeah, eight years Shit. old. Like, I, I have always had a bright young mind, like, from when I was a kid. Like, I've always seen things that other people don't see. I don't talk much, but I see it, you mm-hmm. know? And then um, when I was 11, I believe, my great aunt, may she rest in peace, she was tired of it. She just wasn't having it. With all the kidnappings and everything that was going on over there, people were building bombs from mm-hmm. inanimate objects, like whatever they could find, they made, made a bomb out of it. So if you kicked a can in the street, you could lose your leg. Really? It was that bad. Oh, shit. And then people would kidnap you. If they knew you had family in the U.S., they would yeah. kidnap you just to get ransom. Mm-hmm. Your own family members would kidnap you to get money for ransom. Wow. Yes. Um, so then my aunt was like, all right, my those two boys, me and my younger brother... My sister, she was born there, but she couldn't. There's nothing we could have done for her. Mm-hmm. So we, she stayed with her grandma. But me and my younger brother, we were American citizens. Mm-hmm. So my aunt fought for us. She drove to the embassy, pled with them and everything, and then she paid for our passport, paid for our ticket, flew to New York, and then we lived there for two years, mm-hmm. and then back to Florida. Mm-hmm. But man. That was those were those were the scary scary years of my life because like you never know when somebody's gonna break into your house because our doors aren't really we don't have locks mm-hmm. so our doors aren't really guarded like people could just walk in like if somebody like for example when I was seven this guy robbed a bank mm-hmm. and he came and hid in our backyard really the cops were looking for him <laughs> cops don't care like they'll blame anybody no helicopters or no anything? helicopters okay. so. They came looking. They they don't care. They'll just kick your door down and like, all right, he's in here. We, yeah. you know, we don't need a warrant, blah, blah, blah. Oh, uh, okay. Kind of thing. Haitians don't care. They don't care. So, and with that, like, you you know, you're always on guard. Like, when you're sleeping, you hear a noise outside. You're like, what is that? Like, what's going on, you know? Mm-hmm. And always got to be on, on your heels or on your toes. Like, be ready to go. And my thing was, I always kept my sister. Like, she was a baby. I'm seven years older than her. So, I'm seven. So, mm-hmm. I mean, she's one. Yeah, my mom's in the U.S. working, trying to send money back and forth so we could eat and whatever. Mm-hmm. So I grab, I always grab her under my wing and protect her as much as I could. Because if anything happened to her, I'd probably lose it. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things like protecting them, the young ones, were, were my main focus. Mm-hmm. And I was young myself, so. Mm-hmm. So how was it, how different was it? Because you know, here in Southern California, everything's city around us. Mm-hmm. How was it like living on an island like the island of Haiti? To be honest. It has its moments, because, mm-hmm. like I said, with the farming, with the f- freshness, like, you get f- uh, fresh fish, fresh meat, everything was fresh, like, nothing was frozen, like, if you wanted something, it was literally, in, in a matter of speaking, gutted that day, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, you cook it, 
eat it, and then the, we had no refrigeration because there was no power, so we had to eat all oh, of it. Oh yeah. Or if we put it away, literally can only be put away for one day, and then we had to put it back on the stove and then reheat it. That's how we like heated stuff and then ate it. Mm-hmm. It was it was an in- in- intense thing but i mean we spent more time outside than anything though like mm-hmm. when it's raining like people are here to scared of rain <laughs> we were outside playing soccer in the rain mm-hmm. playing football playing basketball like we didn't care yeah we just wanted to have fun i think when it rained that's what we had the most fun because we lived like downside of a hill and then we would sit inside a little bucket and just slide down the hill <laughs> that was our snow you yeah know? and we just have fun with it man like there was mm-hmm. no that, those were the upsides and then fresh fruits um every summer all, like and the tropical kind too, right? Yeah, like bananas, mangoes. Uh, there's these little green things. I, I can't. I don't know how they say them in English, but we call them kenneps. Uh-huh. And you, and then if you really want to make an alcoholic beverage out of it, you just like take it, open it, drop it inside some white vodka, and then put a little bit of sugar, shake it. We call that punch. Uh-huh. And then we just eat the fruit, and then the alcohol absorbed. Man, so delicious. Okay. Whew, just thinking about it. <laughs> Good stuff. Did you ever experience any hurricanes to that part of the, when you were living in Haiti? We did. We had a um, couple of hurricanes, but they weren't as bad as the ones that came after I left. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, we've had hurricanes to where, like, okay, it's really windy, and our roof would fly because our roof were made of those, uh, what do they call them? The metal, the metal sheeting, mm-hmm. I guess. So they, they, w- they were made of those, and there's just a nail holding them in. Oh. So when the wind blew, it just flew right off. Okay. Those are really sharp, too. If you were at the wrong place, it could cut you, right? So then after a while, they actually, we laid cement down so it wouldn't fly anymore. But it it, it was it could get bad because with when there's a hurricane, so no merchants are out on the street selling food. Yeah. So you really have to buy all your stuff, like, ahead of time. And right. There, you are at risk of your meat going bad because nothing to protect it mm-hmm. I mean we could put it in salt but that could only protect it for so long yeah you know? and then um, um, all your other stuff you can't do anything else if you have doctor's appointment you need pills whatever for oh, those who are yeah. sick you can't do anything you're stuck in the house yeah for like days with nothing to do dang I mean unless you're playing cards but that could get wrong too <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> but other than that man like mm-hmm. I, it wasn't as bad but the ones that happened after I left were Horrendous, like they destroyed lives, broke houses, mm-hmm. and then the earthquake. Mm, Two thousand ten, right? Yeah, seven point oh. We never had an earthquake there when I was there, mm-hmm. and then what? I was gone for it. I left in two thousand two, so I left after nine eleven. The summer after nine eleven. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I left in two thousand two, and literally eight years later, they get a, a hurricane, an earthquake that bad, like that magnitude, mm-hmm. and. My first thought was, I still have family over there. My older brother still lives there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my grandma, my aunts, they all live there. And so, first thing was, hey, you guys good? You know, when we couldn't get a hold of them for weeks on end. Really? There was no service. So. Yeah. So, when we finally heard from him, my cousin added me on Facebook, as a matter of fact, and he said, we are okay. Mm-hmm. He doesn't speak English, but he said it just like that. We are okay. Okay. That gave me, didn't give us a, a, a huge relief at that time. I was still in Florida. I was in school in college, mm-hmm. and and that was dreadful. It was scary. It was scary. Yeah, it's a huge magnitude earthquake, and and a seven point really wouldn't do too much here because mm-hmm. we have a lot of uh, good foundation as far as like 
the homes and the buildings that we built. Mm -hmm. But in Haiti, I know a lot of those structures are the same, or they don't have the same protocols and have the same foundation structures. Mm -hmm. So I just remember hearing about all that on the news, just like how devastating it was. And because it's an island, it's hard to get things to there too, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm sure you had a lot of mixed feelings when that news broke. Um, my, my emotions were, like, I was at school. I was in the middle of, uh, I, was in, I was doing massage therapy, actually, at the time. And um, I was in the middle of working with a client. And then one of my classmates walks up to me and says, hey, Mac, you sure about the hurricane? I mean, the earthquake? I was like, no, like, what earthquake? And then I get, I, I grab my phone right away. My initial reaction, start doing research. Mm -hmm. And I see it, and it literally hit the town where I grew in, Port-au-Prince, uh -huh. harder. Because that's where most of the people died from. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, that's where most of my family lives. What do I do? I called my mom right away. Like I was like, mom, have you heard from anybody? Mm -hmm. Nope. Called my, um, who was it? My aunt. My aunt lives in, and still lives in Florida at the time. And I called her too. I asked her. Nothing. Called my cousins. Nothing. I was like, okay. So at that time, I told my teacher. I was like, hey, I'm going home. Mm -hmm. Like, I got to make sure, like, what I could do for my family, you know? Yeah. And I get home, I'm talking to my mom, and then the, the literally the next day, one of my cousins from my dad's side, because I'm Haitian-Dominican, because my dad's Dominican, found out my my, uh, my dad died. Oh. But he didn't die from the, from the earthquake. Mm -hmm. It was after the earthquake, one of my cousins asked him to do something, and then he, my cousin killed him. Wow. Yeah, killed his own dad. Wow. Interesting, huh? Yeah, very. Uh, so I was like, okay. So I didn't know how to react to that either because my dad was never really in my life. Mm -hmm. So then I'm trying to deal with my family side of the things and then him. And I get there and then I'm just like, okay, okay. And then a week go by, week another week go by, nothing. Another week goes by, nothing. And then my cousin adds me and tells me that message. When I tell you... Like the paleness, like you ever seen people turn pale? Mm -hmm. Like I know I'm a dark fella, but <laughs> the paleness in me just like, yeah, just like took that deep breath, and I was good to go again. I was able to function in the mental capacity, like I was able to do what I do mm -hmm. without having to worry about the back what's on the back burner, you know. And it was that 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 gave me a good 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 release, mm -hmm. like a good emotional release. Have you ever been back to Haiti since you left in 2002? I went in 07, 08. I okay. went in 08, right before mm -hmm. all of that. I went just because my mom wanted to go. Um, it, I think it was the anniversary of my grandmother's passing. And then my, um, me and my brother, we went. Um, we spent like two weeks there. It was a good time because like, going back to see everybody that you knew. Mm -hmm. And... I, it was a great experience too because everybody fed you. Like they were like, yeah. "Hey, hey, you're back in America!" Right? So they fed you, thinking the the, the mentality like, All right, "When you get back, you're gonna take care of them." Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't understand that for us over here too. We struggle too. Yeah, you know, they just think like it's Different all cupcakes. Yeah, it's all cupcakes and peaches, mm -hmm. but it really isn't. Like we have to work for everything. Yes, I sent a few dollars down that way to say thank you, but. Was it what they were expecting? Yeah, no. Yeah. But it's better than nothing. That's how I saw it because like I had my own responsibilities as an adult mm -hmm. to take care of. I was in high school. I was trying to get myself ready for college. I had to pay for books, pay for tuition. I could not be paying, giving you guys hundreds of dollars while I got to go put myself through college. Yeah. You know? it, and it was, but I loved it going back there. 
felt amazing to go back just no electricity just normal society just mm-hmm. dealing with the people aspect rather than the grabbing your phone yeah hey, how are you or just we're just talking face to face okay yeah more, much more intimate yeah there's a there's a, a family a friend of a, a friend's family family friends I guess you could say mm-hmm. but I, I met some friends in Sacramento that grew up in the small town in Central California called Pixley and every now and then I, I really want to I didn't get to go to this summer but the last few summers after I graduated I had a chance to go visit her and I I really like visiting that small town. It's a town of maybe, I want to say 500 people, 600 people. That's small. So really small town. Everyone's dairy farmers there, or most of the people are dairy farmers. There's no gas, uh, no supermarkets. They have a gas station that also serves at like their market where mm-hmm. they can buy groceries and stuff like that. But it almost takes you back because it, it feels like you're living in like the old west, right? Because she has a house. She has a, there's a, a neighbor next door, but outside of that, on that street, there's no other houses. So a lot of open land, big yard, there's no fences around it. And it's cool to me when I was there at night, you know, when they're barbecuing and I was just looking out, when it gets really dark, there's no street lights, there's no city lights, there's, you know, you can see like three, maybe four, you know, lights in a very far distance, but that's how dark it is. And it just, it's super peaceful. So I like, I, I see what you're saying too. Like I, can, I like taking a step back from all the communication mm-hmm. all the, the media, all the lights and all the all the city life, I guess you could say, and just taking a step back and kind of just like being out in the country or just being out in, in a very rural part. Exactly. Because um, I, I, I think I was, I always say that I was born in the wrong era. Mm-hmm. Like, I watch shows like based on the old times. Like, you know how right now, like I could send you a text right now. How long would it take you to get it? Yeah, not Nothing, two seconds. Right? Yeah. Back then, how, how did they communicate? <laughs> Mail. No, they would send pigeons, right? Carry oh, yeah, pigeons, carry pigeons, yeah. Right? That would take weeks yeah. for you to get, like, oh, your mom is done. By the time you get it, boom, mm-hmm. done, right? And same thing, when you tr- for me to get here, it took me, what, 30 minutes, not even, mm-hmm. give or take. For me to get here by horse, yeah, probably take me, like, half a day, <laughs> you know? Half a day's trip, yeah. Right? You, you see, the, the difference, that's the thing, like, mm-hmm. we as people, we're so used to technology. Like, me, I'm trying to disconnect my... I try. I try mm-hmm. very hard. It's hard. it's hard. I work with teenagers. It's very hard. <laughs> um, but you try, you try so hard to disconnect yourself from technology, but it's becoming more and more and more part of our modern-day society, and we just have to be more aware of our usage of it like mm-hmm. me my phone like i can literally put it down and forget about it mm-hmm. i have a watch on my wrist i get it something called oh cool whatever ignore it i don't really need it if it's important that's why i wear this if it's mm-hmm. important that's it other than that nope i'm cool mm-hmm. there was an idea i really liked from the movie ready player one you ever see it i wanted to okay i wanted to but go ahead but it's uh basically it's like a kind of like a virtual reality video game that in the movie they a lot of the people in that movie, they get caught up and they want to be in the virtual reality world rather than the real world mm-hmm. and deal with real problems. But um, as soon as, you know, the movie happens and the main character wins the game and he in this, he wins the rights to the game too. Mm-hmm. And what he does is for two days of the week, he like says people can't play that game. It's like offline. So people have to actually like interact with each other in the real world. Mm-hmm. And I like that idea. I just, you know, I think it'd be cool. Maybe if it was just one day or shoot even like 12 hours like of each week where we just all said like as people just like hey no technology nothing's open like this just your time to either you know sleep or just interact with people but like on a face-to-face basis you know you can't use your car you know what i mean just more like almost take you back because mm-hmm. i think that'd be kind of cool for people to do and just 
It would also, you know, help with a lot of things from just one pollution, but also like being addicted to technology, phones, and and negative stuff like that. I think it'd be really cool to to, to implement a, an idea like that and get that thing rolling. I read an article. Was it like two days ago? It was somebody posted it on Facebook, and I was just like, all right, whatever. Let me just click on it. It looked interesting, and then I'll, as I'm reading, it's basically talking about how like people nowadays we get in relationships through technology. Yeah. Right. So we text, blah, blah, blah. And then this couple, they got together through t- technology and all that. And then they get married. And then they take technology away from them for three days. There's no communication there whatsoever. Wow. And I'm like, is this really where we're going to go? Mm-hmm. Like to where like we can't even have a conversation, mm-hmm. you know? Like when I'm at work, like with the kids that we, I, we deal with on a day-to-day basis, right? Yeah. My phone's in my pocket. Yeah, we can't have our phones out. I can't. Well, oh. <laughs> well, you can. Yeah. You just can't like be twenty four seven. Right. I I tell them I make them a promise. I'm like, if you don't use your phone, I won't use mine. Mm-hmm. Right. That's my incentive to get him to, them to keep their phones away. And I it's easier to talk to them. I've known I know a lot more of the kids than I did last year. Like know their names a lot faster this year because I'm more focused on them. Like mm-hmm. I'm more aware of what's going on around them. If I'm on my phone, I can't see what they're doing. Yeah, of course. You know? And, and these kids, they like they're to, quick too. Yeah. As soon as you look at your phone, they're they're already slap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're necking someone. Right. So it's just it, it it has helped me be a lot more aware, and that's one of the reasons why I tell you like I'm really trying to do the whole disc. And that's why I got I paid for this watch literally, mm-hmm. so I could have it on. Like something comes on, I could just do this, mm. you know, real quick, and then just take a quick glance and then move on. Yeah. See if it's important or not. Yeah. yeah. If it's not important, I could just all right, whatever, move on. Mm-hmm. But, man, it's, it's intense. That article, like, it shows how we're leaning away from anything that deals with any kind of social. Mm-hmm. Social activity, social life, like, anything. It just deals more technology, technology. Hey, how are you? Good morning. Mm-hmm. Hey, good morning. What's up, Noah? How yeah. you doing? Like, yeah. We don't have that anymore. Right. I'm sure, too, you even see it, like, when you go out and you see couples or friends at dinner together, but they're texting. Mm-hmm. They're, you know I mean? They're, instead of, like... You know, having that open... When I go to dinner with my girlfriend, or just anybody for that matter, my uncles, cousins, that kind of stuff, I always make sure to leave my phone away for that, whether it's an hour, hour and a half, two hours, doesn't matter. You know, just trying to have that, like, good face-to-face communication, because we don't always get that, you know? You don't. And then one of the things, too, like, for like you said, like, dating, whatever, what have you, my phone's always, like, away. Mm-hmm. I have this little bag. I put my phone in there. I don't even... I forget it's there. Because why? If I'm trying to get to know you, how am I going to get to know you? as a person mm-hmm. if I'm on my phone right that doesn't make sense because it, it might as well just text me everything I need to know and I'm going to pretend like I care and then just move on because <laughs> yeah. then there's no no connection with it because mm-hmm. you just I could just I could send you anything that I think you want to hear yeah you can put you, up on a, a front yeah. a persona exactly but if you're looking at me face to face you could tell hey mm-hmm. alright this guy's real he knows what he wants exactly yeah. he knows what he's listening he's paying attention blah 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 and vice versa you know and Man, it's just, it's scary. It's it's really scary. Mm-hmm. So take me back to, you moved to New York. What mm-hmm. part of New York did you live in and how did you like that experience living there? Live, um, I lived in New, uh, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I lived in Brooklyn two years. Uh, found out I had an older brother. Mm-hmm. Didn't know. Really? Did not know. My great aunt adopted him from my mother. Oh, okay. So I didn't know he was my brother. I always thought he was my cousin. Mm-hmm. And then my aunt was like, 
no, I don't want to lie to you guys anymore. Like, you guys need to know that you guys are brothers. So that literally, like, rose my excitement. And then, um, so me and him, we clicked. He's only a year older than me. Mm-hmm. And we clicked right away. We talked. Um, we got in a lot of trouble together. <laughs> when our aunt would tell us to go to sleep, uh, we'd wait till she falls asleep and then stay up and play video games all night. And yeah. then she would sneak back and whoop us. Good times, good times. Um, but we grew. She grew up. Except my aunt was a seven day Adventist, mm-hmm. so we'd go to church on Saturdays. So Fridays, which one of the main reasons why, like, I I loved it. Like on Fridays, there's no technology whatsoever. The only thing you use is power. Like okay. you turn on lights. So TVs, no phones, none of that was allowed on Fridays, all the way through sat, all the way through Saturday. Oh, okay. So you had two days, two days, no okay. technology, and that was an, an interesting to me because I had never seen that concept before growing up. Mm-hmm. And we go to church on Saturdays from seven a.m. to eight p.m. But that's not it's not because the service was that long. It's just because like we built a community where it's a family now where. You know, we have potlucks, people bring food, and we sit down, we enjoy each other's company, we play games, okay. we talk. So like a whole day thing. A yeah. whole day thing, and by the time you go home, you just go home, take a shower, and then talk to your family, and then we've watched, we watch a lot of, like, Bible movies. Okay. And then after that, we go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Those those were the good days. Those were the good days. Um, I had family that lived in Manhattan, so I would go spend time with them, too. Um, family in Long Island, spend time with them. My family would live all around New York, so we traveled mm-hmm. a lot, Jersey. Um, but then when we finally moved, we finally left, we had to come back over here to go to school. Um, but it was, an, it was an interesting experience, though, because, man, it was interesting. Because coming from Haiti, like, where nothing, yeah. New York, everything. everything. yeah, And you're like, for example, first day I get picked up at the airport, I remember this day vividly. Where we get picked up by the pastor of the church, mm-hmm. and I don't know what's going on. So I'm just sitting in the car, and they give me a Snapple, the uh-huh. glass ones, right? Yeah. Like back in the day, glass Snapple camp bottles. <laughs> and I, I finished drinking it. My first initial reaction, throw it out the window. Oh. That's what we did in Haiti. Yeah. So I, I go to throw it out the window, and somebody grabs my arm <laughs> and says, no, which was my older cousin. She said, no, you get arrested for things like that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this isn't Haiti, huh? And then I put my arm, I put the bottle down and then, you know, threw it away later. But it was such a, like, eye catcher. Like, those are the small things, the little small things you don't think about. Yeah. You know, like in Haiti, people throw trash everywhere. Over here, you get a ticket for littering. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Dang. Yeah. yeah, so it was interesting. It was a very interesting thing. Mm-hmm. And still, still people would be littering because I would say New York's not the cleanest city. You know, I know there's trash all, all over true. the street. Yeah. yeah, all over New York. New York is one of those uh, states, like, because it's so small and the top buildings are so high, like, they get away with so much. Mm-hmm. People could throw something out of a window and you wouldn't even know which window it came from because no. so much, so many of them, like, they go up to what, 40 to 50, mm-hmm. like, levels and. I hate it. That was my first time riding in the elevator, and I was scared. <laughs> I was scared for my life, man. I was like, oh, what's yeah. going on here? <laughs> Where am I going? Yeah. It was interesting, though. But the thing is, like, when I when I moved out here, though, I didn't speak English, right? Mm-hmm. So I was speaking French and Creole, and people people don't understand me. If you grew up here, you just, all you spoke was English. You tried to talk to me. I would just look at you like you're a dummy because I don't know what you're saying. Yeah. And 
vice versa for them because mm-hmm. I don't know what they don't know what I'm saying, and so I had to find ways to cope and and learn the language. So that '70s show became mine. Really, that '70s show? That '70s show. <laughs> Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis. Believe it or not, because hey. when you don't have cable mm-hmm. and all you have is the basic channel, UPN was on back then. A lot of these kids don't know what UPN is. <laughs> nah, but never. UPN always put me on, man. Like they put on that '70s show, The Simpsons. What else? One, uh, One Tree Hill. Not One Tree Hill. Um, King of the Hill. King of the Hill. So. Very and different Ma- shows. And Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. Malcolm Those in the four shows one. literally helped with my English. Wow. Like, because I would watch it and I would go, like, try to use some of the stuff. Even some of the stuff were bad words. <laughs> I didn't care. At least you would learn. That's how you learn, right? Right. So you hear something, you're like, oh, you piece of, hmm. And they're like, what? What are you saying? What are you, what are you calling me? <laughs> oh, I learned that on TV. Oh, okay. That's not good. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought that was, like, you, yeah. commonality. Like, that's how people talked. No, that's just TV. Good to know. Mm-hmm. So you start putting, you know, reality and non-reality stuff into a factor. Mm-hmm. And then you go, you learn verbs. I, I learned that I try to learn a lot of verbs because mm-hmm. those are the things that will help you have a successful conversation. Right. So, man, it was hard. It was really, really hard trying to learn the English language because now my French has level has went down so low mm-hmm. to a point where I can't I could understand it but I can't speak it as much as I used to anymore okay yeah but if I tried I probably could yeah because I've tried I've, I've held a few conversations I had this one lady that comes to my job every, every so often all she does is speak French to me she speaks English mm-hmm. but all she does is speak French to me she's like I need you to speak French I was like, <laughs> okay. okay fine make you practice it yeah, yeah. but I, it's it's one of those things like I'm trying to pick back up yeah it's not that easy it's good though because I mean the more the less and less you use a language, just like anything you're gonna forget it. Right? Yeah, Same with me in Spanish. I, I was losing Spanish as I got older and older and more disconnected from my grandparents. But as I went to college, I took more you know Spanish classes. Like I try to take one every semester, just that way I can kind of continue to brush up on my Spanish and continue to advance. Mm-hmm. And now where you know it really depends if I'm working a lot and I'm speaking a lot of Spanish at my work, then sure enough, like I'll find I'll find myself my Spanish gets better and better. But if I go two, three weeks, you know, months without speaking Spanish to anyone, then I have to speak Spanish. It, it, I'm stumbling all over the place. I'm, you know, insecure about what I'm saying and that right. kind of stuff. So it's, it happens, you know, it happens it does, to everyone. And that's one of the things like Boys and Girls Club, uh, when this like, I pick up the phone a lot, right? Yeah. So if a parent comes, calls and starts speaking Spanish, Hola, I'm like, um, no habla español, un poquito, por favor. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, like I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just like saying things to them just so they can understand. Like I don't speak Spanish. Yeah. Right? Just give me a second. I'll get somebody for you. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. And they, they'll get that, and I'll get somebody who speaks Spanish to the phone. But I want to learn Spanish. I really yeah. do. But uh, next chapter. That's mm-hmm. the next chapter. Not right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> do you still speak? What was the other language you said? Creole. Creole. Yeah, I speak yeah. Creole often. Um, I speak with my sister, mm-hmm. my mom. Like I, I try to keep it. I speak with my brother at home too, because. Um, Especially, like, we have other roommates that don't speak the language, so it's easier. Mm-hmm. When we want to talk about something we don't need them to know about. Hey, so, there you, you go. Know, we just throw it out there, and then, or when my brother wants to talk about something that he doesn't want, a certain someone, his girlfriend, mm-hmm. they don't want her to know. So we talk in, we speak in Creole, and just, I don't know, it's just good practice for us. Mm-hmm. But French, like, we don't really, we speak it, but we don't speak it like that, like that. Like, yeah. me and him, we try but you can only get away with so much of it. But now, 
starting next in the next two quarters, mm-hmm. I'm gonna start a French club. So we're gonna get the kids to understand the concept of speaking French. Yeah. So is Creole the native language for the Haitians? Yes, Creole is. Um, it, it was. It's a broken French dialect mm-hmm. mixed with a lot of Latin and some African language because given that we migrated after the French Revolutionary War, mm-hmm. um, you know, we were the first black country to get our independence. So we created our own language with what was available to us mm-hmm. and get, you know, coming from France after the, the, the war and then being that they were Africans and then Latin was a huge part of culture back in those days. So they just added it all up and created their own language. To this day, some words I look at them and I'm like, what the heck does this even mean? Like, mm-hmm. it don't even make sense, right? But then again, same with the English language. Like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of words. Like, what the heck does this even mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, try to put two and two together. But speaking Creole, like, can make you look like you have a very, very heavy tongue. Mm. Because it's one of those things, like, you speak it, like, with such disdain. Because mm-hmm. it sounds dirty like really bad like when you talk to somebody you, 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 I could say something to you in Creole and I sound like I'm cussing you out and mm. I'm really not you know I'm just talking so to it's you. like aggressive kind of almost it, it really is the, yeah. the way they talk it's aggressive and mm. they don't mean it or so it's like Italian almost you know every time you hear Italian yeah. you always think Ciao they're yelling you're like whoa <laughs> pasta with meatball like, whoa why are you yelling at me about pasta like right it's the same thing like yeah and we there's no harm met by it they're just talking mm-hmm. you know and Speaking that language was interesting because that's what we grew, we grew up speaking in my household, and French was learned through school and then spoke at home because my mom spoke French. My mom spoke speaks Spanish too, I, I believe, not as much as she used to anymore, but she she could hold a conversation here and there. Yeah, but it's 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 an interesting language. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy though. If you wanted to learn it, by Crayons, all means, yeah. go for it. Like, there's a bunch of um. I call them natives, but white folks that go to Haiti that lives there. Like, they live in Haiti. They have houses. They go to church, mm-hmm. like, the whole nine. And they speak the language, but they speak it with, like, such heavy dialect to the point where you're like, okay, like, are you really speaking Creole or are you speaking English? But you could tell, though. You could tell they're trying because that's not their first language. Yeah. You know, just like for me, speaking English, some people, like, they'll point it out straight to me. Hey, you have an accent. I'm like... Oh, thanks, Sherlock. <laughs> thanks, like, Sherlock, yeah. Like, I didn't know that. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I spoke three languages to the point where it messes up with what I say. But there are certain words in English I can't read in English. So I have to read it in French in order oh. for me to say it in English. Okay. Right? Like, uh, Renaissance. Uh-huh. Like, I couldn't say it in English at first. Like, I had to read it in French. Mm. And then I'm like, dun, 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 and then enunciation, just break it down, break it down, and boom. It clicked. Mm-hmm. It, it's always the same thing with certain words because it's easier to go back to your native tongue and then try to progress forward than to just try to force it and then you sound like you don't know what you're, what you're trying to read. Exactly. So. Yeah. That's normal too for bilingual speakers. I mean, I remember learning from a Spanish teacher. She said like the, the, the key part of the key moment when you know you're like truly fluent is when. You know, you can think in English when you're speaking English, but then you can think in Spanish and when you're talking Spanish and you want to flip it. For me, like I felt, I still, when I'm listening to Spanish, I translate it all in my head in English and then I want to come think of what I want to say in English and then translate to Spanish before yeah. I talk it, you know, speak it into existence. Where I know my mom, you know, she was born in Mexico and, you know, her grandparents or her parents, my bad, my grandparents, 
you know, all they speak is Spanish. So she grew up with Spanish more and more, and she mm -hmm. can do that. She can flip back and forth. She can think in Spanish when she's talking Spanish, and then boom, flip it to English and think in English too. So that's that's like the the goal though is like to become truly like bilingual and truly fluent in like mm -hmm. the, or not it can be multiple languages, but yeah. to become truly fluent in those languages, you need to be able to think in that language too. Yeah, like I could think in Creole. I could speak in Creole. I could do the same. I think in French. Um, English, not so much. I have to revert back to the old, mm -hmm. the first languages, just because like that's what I'm. I've been more comfortable with for a good portion of my life, for 18 years of my life, really. Like I, all I, I mostly spoke that at home, everywhere else, with my friends, mm -hmm. and I mean we spoke English, but it was easier to speak in Creole to each other because then, first off. When we're surrounded by people, we don't want them to know what we're talking about. Like, yeah, especially yeah. in high school, like you're trying to get away with as much as you want to get away with. So, it it was always easier to revert back to Creole in my mind. I mean, I could, like I said, I could speak to you right now, one on one. But a lot of the things you're saying to me sometimes, like I play in my head in Creole. Okay. Like it just clicks yeah. a lot faster for me. Uh huh. And it helps. That's good. All right, so you move from New York, Brooklyn, New York, and you go to Florida. What was Florida like? How was the adjustment there from, you know, from Haiti to New York and now to Florida? Uh, live, going back to Florida was, at, at first was, I don't want to say annoying, but it was weird because, like, first first day we land, like, you got to get used to that humidity, like, off, off rip. Like, you get there, the heat just smacks you. Yeah. Mind you, it's September, so it's hot. Yeah. It's right after Labor Day, so it's hotter than as can be. And we get there, me and my brother, my mom, um, we go to, no, we didn't, where did we go? We didn't go get food. And we, we're literally sweating in the car while we're waiting for the food, and we're dying. And my mom goes, she's like, well, we have AC in the house. So, yeah. <laughs> so we literally get there. But the whole concept was like, Florida is weird in ways like you have alligators you have snakes that sneak into your toilet drains and Jeez. tries to yeah you literally really? lift up your lid and the snake would just pop up and you'd be like whoa what's going on here that's normal that's normal Holy that's the normal you have you have alligators that go to your pool you have baby gators that sneak up into your toilet drains like what? you never know and you could be sleeping and the snake is just crawling in your house and just bite you what and people die like that people die like that yes all the time not all the time but yeah. it happens if you, you if you go on google right now you type in Florida stories, you'll read a bunch of stories. <laughs> I, probably, I can guarantee you that. Because Florida's where like, most of the crazy things happen. Mm -hmm. You know, old people killing old people, all that. Like, yeah. It's because that's where everybody goes to retire. Yeah. So it, it happens, man. It happens. But the, the scariest things were the gators. We had to catch one one time, mm -hmm. a big one. Like, I want to say like 17 feet. 17 feet? Yeah, it was that big. Wow. And. So we called animal control and they couldn't get there in time. So well, me and my cousins, we, we were boys, so we just wanted something to do. We went and got like full chickens mm -hmm. and then we put them on sticks. Full chickens? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like already like skinned and everything. Yeah. Just playing with the gator, trying to get it to eat uh -huh. so it wouldn't eat us. <laughs> until, <laughs> That's animal, wishful thinking. until animal control got yeah. there and then they lured it out with the, the same chicken mm -hmm. because he, he didn't jump because he was like a He was in the pool or? He was in the lake. Oh, okay. Because we have, we're surrounded by lakes, which were, is where all the mosquitoes and everything yeah. come from because they have the water. The sitting water, yeah. yeah. To just fly and then go right back, mm -hmm. you know? And um, it was intense, man. You get, you leave with 
these mosquitoes about like what half an inch flying by and biting you they bite really hard too bro like they leave bruises to like you look at for weeks and they suck your blood if your blood is sweet they'll suck it (laughs) but i had i had great decent experiences there though i had uh you ever had alligator wings alligator wings nah yes it's it's almost like chicken wings bro really I mean, what part like, of the alligator is that? Because I it's mean, the elbow. The elbow. Okay. Yeah, it's almost like eating uh, frog legs. Okay. It's just like chicken. Okay. It's a little gamey. Yeah, I was gonna say I've had alligator jerky before. Yeah, it's, it's a little gamey. Mm-hmm. I mean, but jerky in itself is gamey because mm-hmm. you gotta chew it because that's not the process. But alligator wings, like there was this guy, a vendor, um, out in um this area called Royal Palm Beach, mm-hmm. and he would come out at the street fair, street market, like every Saturday. And he would make it like he would have the meat already, and then just like make it. I'm telling you, it's so good. Eat that with some fries. Yeah, I'm not fat or anything, but <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I don't know. I just I like to try new things, and yeah, I grew a distinctive palate for certain things. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Dang. Anything? Any other wild stories from Florida? I mean, did you ever have to come across a snake? I came across across multiple snakes in school. I watched a snake. Like, okay, so we have seasons, I think spring, if I'm not mistaken, around springtime, we have little gophers, right, that, like, comes out, come out of holes, and they just pop up their head, and you see if they could run, and then we have owls, same thing, they, they pop up their heads, and then I've seen a snake just, like, jump, and then just, like, take a gopher? Yeah, and then just grabbed it and took it with him, and I was like, yeah, if you could do that, <laughs> to that, what you gonna do to me, uh-huh. you know? Um, but... Florida in itself is a great experience. It rains a lot. I love the rain. Mm. I do. Because it, it allows you to relax in a sense. Like It gives you that same sense of calm. Because um, you ever listen to people when they listen to their little audio thing before they go to sleep. It's always the rainforest. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. Rain noises, yep. And then you hear, like, when you're at home and you listen to that rain and you're off, you don't have to work. You're just watching Netflix and you're just like, oh, rain. Mm-hmm. And then you just enjoy yourself. But it has its ups and downs hurricanes we have horrible hurricanes in florida mm-hmm. to where like you have to board up everything and you could literally have a tree fall in your car like you never know yeah and it's, it's, it's it wasn't a bad experience though it was just hot mm-hmm. it was really hot have you seen that movie crawl came out this year with the gators yeah with the gators i saw the preview for it i, was, I didn't want to watch it oh, okay because especially right now i'm trying to go to florida next week yeah. i don't want to watch it scar you or anything yeah. i feel that yeah, but it, it was a cool movie because it was, like, literally you said about hurricanes and then also the gators. So, like, literally everything we've talked about in the last, mm-hmm. like, ten minutes, it was all about it was all about that and how they were, you know, they had to get away from gators and mm-hmm. it was Trying crazy. to survive. Yeah. Especially if survive. you're, the way I saw the preview, like, the house was flooded with water mm-hmm. and she had to try to, because she didn't escape on time, I guess. Yeah. Her? Well, her, her dad didn't. She had to go back for her dad. For her dad, yeah. Mm-hmm. Her I dad was, was stuck. No, I'm good. <laughs> the day that happens, I'm getting, I'm like, mm-mm. Next, next flight. <laughs> next I'm flight out, yeah. But then, um, so then I started traveling back and forth over here. Mm-hmm. My brother was going to school in uh, St. Catharines in San Diego. He was playing basketball there. And then um, he moved to Anaheim right by the Angel Stadium. Um, this I forgot the name of the place. Something Point. Anyways, so he moved there. So I, I traveled for my first time in California. I come to visit to come um, support one of his games because mm-hmm. my mom couldn't make it. My mom is was dealing with a brain tumor at the time, mm-hmm. so she couldn't travel back and forth. So I was like, I got this. Like it's my young, it's my young one. 
I'm gonna go and support him. Like yeah. I said, I've had him since he was a kid, protected him as much as I could. So I go and go support him, go watch his game. Like I would literally fly out for two days, fly here for two days and go right back. Okay. And so I did that for so long and then at some point I was like, I'm tired of paying all this money to fly. Yeah. Let me I'm just gonna move here. Uh-huh. So I thought about it for a good year before I officially made the move. And then one day I just woke up, I was like, All right, I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. And then a week later, got in the car, drove out here. You drove out here? Yeah. How long did that take you? We left. <laughs> oh, shit. Monday night at like 5. And uh-huh. then we got here Wednesday like at 10th a.m. That same week? Yeah. Wednesday? Not like the same next week? week? No. We, oh, we, were, we wanted to do like the whole like sightseeing thing. Yeah. We wanted to, right? Me and my cousin, we we did the drive. We did, we did it nonstop. Like we flipped off. I was going to say, you just took turns uh, sleeping yeah. then, huh? No, no sleep. I didn't no sleep at all. No? I, I was awake the whole time. You were awake the whole time? I had to be. Two days? Yeah. I had to be. Because think about it, like, I, there are people, like, if you're driving with them, if you fall asleep, Oh, yeah, they like get a sleepy, sleepy, yeah. So, I had to be awake the whole time with him. And I drove. I had energy drinks coming in and out. Bro. I was ready to go. But um, we wanted to do the whole stop and do sightseeing thing. My cousin had this thing. He wanted to stop in Texas to get a midget. I don't know what that meant. A midget? <laughs> he was fascinated by them. Because there's a strip club in Texas that, that, that has midgets. And he was he wanted to go. Really? Yeah. I don't know what that meant for him, but that was for him. <laughs> Oh, but okay. around that time, um, there was a hurricane that was hitting Louisiana. Okay. So we had to do a detour. Mm-hmm. So we had to go up More. past Louisiana, go around it to, through Alabama, and then go through the other. We passed Arkansas through to, so, yeah, yeah. all that, but we had to go the up route rather than the lower south mm-hmm. area, which wasn't that bad. We got a little bit of rain on the way in Dallas, Texas. Because the rain was pretty strong. Yeah. And then we got rain where, and um, no, we didn't get none in El Paso. There was nothing there. (laughs) (laughs) How would you describe the El Paso? Nothing Nothing. there. (laughs) Just mountains. We were scared. We thought we were gonna catch El Chapo at some point. Yeah. Hey, let's pick up El Chapo. Let's take. Let's take him. I was like, Nah, you good. You could do that. I'm good. Let let me get. Let me get uh, California first. Mm -hmm. But um. The drive wasn't that bad. Um, when we reached California, that was the longest drive, to be honest. Yeah. It's just like when you made it, it's like you felt like it's taking forever to get to your final destination. That's true. Yeah. And traffic was heck. Yeah. Because you like everybody and their mama was driving, and mind you, we're, he's in a Toyota pickup truck. We're in a Toyota pickup truck, and we're hauling my little Scion in the back. Oh, okay. So it's like we're like, okay, so how do we do this? Like, how do we get through dealing with traffic? People honking at you, blah blah mm-hmm. blah. But it was good. It was mm-hmm. a good experience. The drive wasn't that bad, so would I do it again? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. That's rough. That's a rough drive. I, I for work I drove to Missouri in four days. And, you know, that was like twelve hours a day, but that had that had me and my eyes exhausted. I remember my eyes were like sore for the next like week and a half or two. Mm-hmm. Just it was it was a nice drive, but just like being focused for that long, you you know, I take energy drinks or coffee. Actually, I wouldn't do energy drinks while driving because it would make me too antsy. Mm-hmm. So coffee or chewing gum. But yeah, that's 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 rough. I mean, we did it from Florida to New York multiple times. Okay, and back you know back and forth. So you're used to it. Oh, well, I wasn't used to it, but <laughs> <laughs> it was because cross country is a lot more. Like you coming from one like yeah. one end, not even the middle. Yeah, one, one end, end exactly. to the other end, and it's like. Whatever, man. Let's just do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you know, you put your put your big boy boots on and you get mm-hmm. ready to go. 
And that's what we did. So only stopping for gas and to eat. Stop for gas, and we had a lot of food in the car. Believe okay. Right. But we so still stopped and snacked on uh, different things from different states. We tried to because oh, okay. we couldn't do the whole gourmet thing we wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. So we stopped and um, got different snacks and stuff like uh, like Whataburger. Like we never oh, had, yeah. we, didn't, we don't have those in Florida. Yeah. So we stopped at those. Um, a bunch of hole in the wall stuff. Mm-hmm. We tried those. We wanted to go to Texas to get like big steak. Yeah, like, yeah. The whole thing, but we couldn't do all that. But. I mean, we have fun with it, man. Mm-hmm. We made the best of a situation. So what was the biggest culture shock for you when you first got to California? There's a lot of Latinos. Yeah. Like, Florida, there's Latinos. Like, it's mixed. Like, you have Puerto Ricans, Cubans, you know, everybody. Over here, what's next to California? Mexico. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a lot of Mexicans. And that was in Samoans. Like, I've never... Oh, yeah. I've never... I mean, That's I've true. seen Samoans, but I always call them Hawaiians. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me why. Um, but there's a lot of Samoans. Like, mm-hmm. But back home in Florida, we don't know what Samoan is. We, always, we see Hawaiians, they look the same. So, we, hey, Hawaii, Hawala, mm-hmm. whatever, just messing with them. But moving out here, like a lot of Samoans, and I worked with a lot of them, you mm-hmm. know, like when I was a bouncer. So I got to understand yeah. the culture a lot more, you know, and working with the Boys and Girls Club, too. A lot of them in Garden Grove. Yeah, were, were you there when Pule and Dallas was were there? No. Okay, so there were these two Samoan guys. Like they were the coolest cats that I knew, man. Pule and Dallas, they they would come in. They were were you there when Drusilla was there? Mm-mm. Okay, so another Samoan <laughs> girl, and it was just cool because they're, they're like very friendly people mm-hmm. until you cross them the wrong way. Right. Right. So that's with everybody though. Yeah. But and that was for me like you know they're big like they look intimidating. Mm-hmm. But they're su- they're big kids. Yeah, they're big fluffy big teddy bears. Yeah, yeah, big children. And I wasn't even scared or nothing. I just talked to them, and I, I wanted to understand their culture. And mm-hmm. that's the that's the big thing for me too. Culture, like understanding culture. Like I'm sur- surrounded by Vietnamese people. I didn't know what a Vietnamese person was. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell they spoke. I went all these new ends and all these like I didn't know. Like I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to, you know. So I poked a little, mm-hmm. and then. Let me see, I moved out here in 2016, August of 2016. By March of 2017, I was already working at Boys and Girls Club. Mm-hmm. So, less than six months. Yeah. You know, and I wanted to understand more. So, in order to do that, you have to start somewhere where it's populated. Yeah. And Grove. Right. <laughs> Exposed to everything. Everybody and everybody. Mm-hmm. So, it was it was a cool experience, man. Like, the culture-wise, like, the food is different. Mm-hmm. Like man, I I've eaten pho so many times now. I, I <laughs> hey, that's just nice, was, right? Yeah, Hawaiian barbecue. That's what all the Samoans eat. I didn't know the difference between a Tongan and a Samoan. I, yeah, I, I, I say you don't want to call a Tongan Samoan. That's why I always sure. ask them straight up. What right. are you? Yeah, <laughs> or you could just call them Pacific Islander. Or yeah, Polly. Yeah. Polly, they won't get hurt by that. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, because they they beef. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm 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 understanding a lot of it now. You know, mm-hmm. and I I, I enjoy the culture because. The minorities, which we're not even the minorities anymore, mm-hmm. because we're America's populated with mostly minorities now. It's to where we become the majorities, mm-hmm. right? But the minorities stick together. Yeah, we have each other's back, and that's the thing. Like, if everybody thought like that, like be one mm-hmm. would be good. Like, I just saw a preview for a movie the other day. It's called Queen and Slim. You should watch the preview. It doesn't mm-hmm. come out to. I think in a couple a couple months, but it's a you know that guy from Get Out. Oh, okay, yeah. Him and some girl. So basically, the concept is like 
he gets pulled over while he's driving with his girlfriend in the car. And as they're driving, a police officer tells him, hey, get out the car. You're under arrest for something. He didn't even do anything. So mm-hmm. the, the lady's an attorney. So she's pulling out her badge and he shoot the cop shoots her. So as he shoots her, the uh, the guy from Get Out runs and hits the cop and he grabs his gun and kills the cop. Right? Oh. Self-defense, you call it whatever, but you anytime you fire towards a cop, it's automatic, you know, yeah. it's automatically viewed as wrong. Yeah. Right. So all that's happening and then they escape, they're they're fugitives, they shave everything, whatever. And every black person, every lower minority person is helping them get through. Like to the to the to the point where they call him the modern day Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, okay. See what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it's such an intense and powerful movie because of what's going on in our modern day society where pe- cops are just shooting people just because, yeah. just because, not because, don't no. even need a reason, just because. And given that I'm a young black man in America, I work with kids that are minorities. You, we have to try to. They mm-hmm. have to try to find a way to do better, man. Because mm-hmm. you can't just. I'd rather you tase me than to shoot me. Yeah, yeah anything. I, yo. I could recover from that. Hit me with a beanbag. Yeah, I could, I'll break a rib. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not dead. But now you're killing, and then now when it, they do defend themselves, they're at, they're at fault. Mm-hmm. I thought America was a stand your grounds to kind of you know go out. California is stand your ground state. Yeah, yeah, California so, is. If I'm standing my ground, you can't tell me anything. If you shoot me, I shoot you back. Mm-hmm. How am I at fault? Mm-hmm. I'm protecting myself because I didn't do nothing wrong till you harassed me. Mm-hmm. But anyways, that's beyond the point. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, like it's it's just it's different. Mm-hmm. It's different. No, it's a good topic though, just to to talk about in, in in further length. Just because, I mean, with social media, we we're talking about it earlier in the episode. Social media, I feel like has done a few good things, and one of those has kind of put a lot of these like videos and just. Everyone is a, Everyone has a video recorder on their phone, so anytime they see any kind of police brutality, now instead of waiting for the newspaper to hit and reading it the next day, now everyone kind of you know post a video, and then granted you can see that on social media within you know seconds, within minutes, mm-hmm. and it can get all across the country, and that's that's what starts movements. You know what I mean? Uh, I, one of my favorite rappers, The Game. You know, after the the shooting of Mike Brown, he came out with a song with a few other people too. I believe Jada Kiss was in it. Uh, French Montana, but they did a, a song called "Don't Shoot," and it was it was a pretty P Diddy was in it too. It was it was like eight artists, one of those massive collaborations. Mm-hmm. But it was cool. Like it's kind of cool to see how social media and just like the the technology we have at our hands is able to like put that a lot of that more a lot of that stuff more to exposure. Because just think about back in the you know 1800s, back when slavery just ended and there was still Jim Crow laws, right? And mm-hmm. slavery was abolished, but you know, they were still hanging blacks in the South and, you know, but it wasn't... They still are. Yeah, exactly. They still <laughs> are, but it, a lot more of that gets notified now and a lot of people, a lot more people know about that now. And it's crazy too, the fact you said that, like, so back, back, back in the days, like, you know how nowadays, like, we celebrate Democrats mm-hmm. and Republicans are like the most hated people? Yeah. The Republicans were for us back in the day. Yeah. Like, because Abraham Lincoln was a Republican mm-hmm. and he abolished slavery, blah, blah, blah. Like, And then now, because they flipped it to where Republicans have the higher income and the Democrats deal with the low income people, mm-hmm. what have you. But with our modern day president, you know, I won't name him. Um, <laughs> all the people who are high spirited, you know, and believing in the, the, the Klan, 
they're, they're out and about now. Yeah. You know? And they're hanging black folks. Mm-hmm. I watched, it was a, really the video. This uh, guy, the rest got this girl to come to his room, mm-hmm. like with false pretenses. And he recorded him hanging her. Wow. And I was like, why? Yeah. That was my first question. Like, mm-hmm. why? Let her be. She mm-hmm. didn't do nothing. You wanted to get her. You, you let her to your room with false pretenses in the first place. And then you go and you kill her. Mm-hmm. Like, no. Like, let the little girl live. She was what? Like, she looked like she was 18. Mm-hmm. Why? She barely lived. Barely. Mm-hmm. So, things like that are like a touchy subject for me. But it's just one of those things like, people just, we have we just have to be aware of it. Like, mm-hmm. And that's one of the things, like, working with where I work, I'm trying to teach these kids, like, do better. Show them you're better. Mm-hmm. So that way, if they do come at you, they have no logical explanation to why they did what they did. Because they would be, like, literally, like, I, I don't want to say murdered, but, like, they would be dealt with by the media. The media would, like, crucify them, in yeah. a sense. You want to yeah. prove them wrong. Prove yeah. that you're better. Prove that you're not just another stereotype. Right. Because... You know, last year, there was, at my site, the, the site I was working at, I don't want to say it on here, but mm-hmm. the site I was working at, there was a, you know, uh, African-American kid. He's mixed. I, I don't know what he's mixed with, but he was, he's part black. And he he had a big potty mouth. And, you know, throughout the whole year, he's always chattering. He was one of those kids who only came two, three, two, two, three days a week and only come for sports. And football season was right around the corner. He told me he wanted to do football. And, you know, he got in trouble one day because he cussed at one of our staff members, which is... You know, totally unacceptable, but it was a day where, you know, me being the assistant position I was in mm-hmm. and my supervisor was out, so I was in charge. And, you know, I, I, I kind of, while the, the, the attitude from a lot of our other staff was to, hey, we need to kick this kid out because you shouldn't be doing that. And I totally agreed, but I was like, hey, you know what? I was still kind of like finally getting comfortable as far as talking to the kids and kind of mm-hmm. taking that role. And so I just pulled them to the side and said, look, dude, you know, I'm going to give you two ultimatums, you know, we can kick you out. And that'll be that. You're going to continue what you're doing. And you'll go down this road where, you know, you might be doing the same thing in high school and then after high school. And you can end up in certain places that you don't like. And, you know, I kind of brought, he, he shared with me his his family. And so we talked about that. And, like, do you want to end up like them? He's like, no. And so I told him, too, you know, but you, especially being black, you have to have, you have to work five times as hard as anybody else, right? Just to prove that you're not that stereotype. Because they don't want to just, if you're a troublemaking black kid, they're just going to throw you under the bus with that stereotype and throw you in detention and never work on you. They're just going to keep throwing you in these different things and just keep disciplining you without explaining you and trying to rehabilitate you. Yeah. And so I kind of told him that. And, you know, sure enough, things got slowly better. And by the end of the year, you know, things, nothing was going to be perfect in half a year, but things got a lot better. And, you know, at the end of the year, too, I was able, you know, I gave him a whole team, like little gifts, party gifts. And I gave him like a little anger management book that, you know, I had sitting in the house and you know it wasn't being used because it was already read so you know just gave it to him and, and you know i ran into him in the summer just randomly too and he, you know he told me like he, re- he read the book and i was like oh that's dope you know so it's it's cool to have that kind of impact especially the places where we work mm-hmm. at on minorities like that you know yeah it's like for me i'm a black man i have dreads mm-hmm. tattoos piercings mm-hmm. what have you i fit the yeah. typical gangbanger. Yeah. Right. Not knowing me, how would you perceive me? You would see me, oh, yeah, he's just a normal whatever. Mm-hmm. And But once you hear me speak, your whole concept changes, mm-hmm. right? Because 
I remember one time I was I walked up to this girl I had just started a new job I walked up to her I was like hey how are you she was like what yeah and she was like, I thought you would have hit me with a, what to do, shouty? Like, what's up? When you oh, talk? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, I'm a young, educated black man. Mm-hmm. Just because I have certain attributes does not make me what you think I am. Like, my this is my personality. I'd like to express myself. It's mm-hmm. like, we'll have hair. God gave it to us for a reason. Yeah. Express yourself. I right. pierce my ears. That's me expressing myself. That doesn't make me a thug, a mm-hmm. gangster, none of that. All that's in the past. That's a past life. Mm-hmm. This is a new generation where, you know, now that's why I tell these kids too. I tell them, why do you think I'm here? Mm-hmm. They, they don't know. And I'm like, listen, I'm here for you guys. Mm-hmm. I don't need this job. I do this for you. I don't need the money. Boys and Girls Club, they don't pay, you know, the way they, 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 <laughs> yeah. they should. But it's they're a nonprofit. You mm-hmm. know, it's not that easy. But I'm here for you guys. I want you guys to grow up to be better than me. And the rest of the staff here, mm-hmm. like, cause I'm old, like, I'm I'm at the I'm at almost past my peak. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna do anything else right now. Yeah. But if I could mold and mentor anyone, one of you, mm-hmm. to do great, and then you guys come back and you do the same thing for somebody else, right? I've done my job, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. Like, I'm trying to get them to understand that just because you're a minority doesn't mean you're losing. Right. You could exactly. Win. You have you have all. Sometimes we think we're limited. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember I grew up in Santa Ana, which is neighboring to Garden Grove, but mm-hmm. very similar demographic. Not as many um, Asians, Vietnamese, and Polys, but there's a lot of Hispanics, a lot of Latinos. And I just remember, you know, me, I was never the most talented, you know, athlete. I was never the smart. I was pretty smart, but I was never the smartest kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was always people more talented than them. And now we're at that age where, you know, I'm mid-20s now, and you start running into people, and, and you ask them what they're doing, and you know, a lot of them kind of give up on their dream or they got into trouble when they're, you know, teenagers or they got in the wrong crowd in high school or just they made different life choices to where they didn't think go as far as I thought they could or, you know, shoot, as even far as me or someone who's less talented than them. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, for me, it's like, okay, well, if I was able to make it out and I had, you know, certain because, you know, one thing I always give props to my, my parents for, you know, providing good structure, always, you know, stressing school, but always putting good influences around me too, you know, from, you know, if everything was going bad in the family, then they would keep me away from that. And they'd always put good influences and good role models Mm -hmm. in my life and around me. So, you know, that's just what I want to give back to the kids too, is just providing a good role model. Cause I know, man, I would hear some crazy stories from the kids at the site I worked at last year in the middle school. And it's like, you know, when you learn those and then you see why the kids act out the way they did, just because they had so much going on at home and they, Mm -hmm you know, they have, they have little way of how to adjust and handle that emotionally. And so they act out the way they do. And so, but being able to kind of redirect that and then just also give them opportunities that they maybe didn't know that were out there. And that's, that's the least we can do, you know? See, for me, it was the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have the role models, Mm -hmm. none of it. And which is why, like I do what I do with such a passion because I'm giving them what I wish I had when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Yes. I put myself through college I could have went to a party school. I didn't. I went to a private school so I could focus like on my education and do what I need to do and get done. Yes, if I could, if I want to party later, I can. But mm-hmm. at least I'm done, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I had one kid last year, and I'm so I'm so proud of her right now. And I kid you not, I'm very proud of her. Mm-hmm. And she was going through a phase. She was in the foster system, mm-hmm. right? And she's young, very young, gang affiliated, tatted. 
everything. Everybody gave up on her. Mm. And I mean, her family, everybody gave up on her. And I told her, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take you under my wing and we're going to talk. And every single day, every time she was having a bad day, I was like, hey, come here. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, I got her, I got her to join my football team, mm-hmm. and I made her an integral part of my football team to where she had like duties. She had she was a leader. She had to speak and know how to speak to people. Mm-hmm. Now she's in high school. Who would everybody? Yeah. Somebody somebody everybody gave up on. Mm-hmm. She's in high school, mm-hmm. or like going through her freshman year now. Like, mm-hmm. come on, bro. Like that's that's intense. Like if you could, if you we have so much power in us that we could give to these young ones. We just have to put to put it to right use. Like mm-hmm. I came up with this mindset this year. There was a Steelers coach who passed away, and his quote was, "Why choose good when great is available?" Mm-hmm. Right? Like if that <laughs> yeah. does it hit? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> like some people ask me, "How are you?" I'm like, "I'm great." Yeah. You know, and like I'm literally trying to give these kids great everything. Like it doesn't matter what it is, mm-hmm. and. At our site, we made that our model. Why choose good when great is available? Mm-hmm. So we try to bring nothing but positive energy. You're having a bad day, walk away. Mm-hmm. Go sit outside. Go, go take a breather in your car because you're an adult. And then come back with a positive mindset. Because mm-hmm. they didn't ask for us to... They didn't give us that no. bad day. Right. And if they did, I just brush it off mm-hmm. and go about my business. Because they're kids. They're mm-hmm. going to be kids. They like to test you, see how much they could get away yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, they do. And but we're all kids at that age exactly. too. You know what I mean? So you you just gotta adapt mm-hmm. and move on. That's it. Cause mm-hmm. they'll, they'll press your buttons. Oh, for sure. And I've got my buttons pressed. Like yesterday, I had an incident where the supervisor was talking, and and I was like, all right, if you guys want to keep talking while she's talking, I'm just we're just gonna cancel activities, and you guys are just gonna chill. Mm-hmm. And one of the boys said, "Oh, you go ahead and cancel it then." I was like, come here, sit right here. Yeah. Sat him behind me while she was making her announcements. Talked to him. I was like, hey, man, not appropriate. Yeah. And which is why, one of the main reasons why like, I'm, I'm happy that I'm going to run this um, program called Passport to Manhood. Because mm. you could teach them so much through sports. Yeah. But there's the real life aspects too. Mm-hmm. And now I get to touch both aspects. You know, and it's it's so influential, mm-hmm. and I'm looking forward to that chapter, bro. Because that that looks like it's something. I have a lot of kids already interested in joining mm-hmm. the troubled ones. Yeah, and already, that's good. They're already interested in coming in to understand. Like life is not all like me. Like I said, cupcake and peaches, man. You just mm-hmm. you got to put in the work mm-hmm. and understand what goes into what to make it a factor. And bro, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun for you, especially you too. You know, you get to be that role model for the kids mm-hmm. that. The male role model too. That maybe some kids at home don't have that male role right, model at right. home. Yeah, it's it's gonna be an interesting process. Like, I know I read the, a lot of the curriculum, mm-hmm. and I was in, I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't a lot of the things I didn't think about. Yeah, like you know, I said I was I wanted to run it, but once I got the packet, I was like, wow, this is intense. Like, yeah. It's actually planned out and mm-hmm. gives them very sc- detailed scenarios, like real scenarios. Like, mm-hmm. what would you do in this situation? And you know, and you're not graded on it, but it's give you that understanding. Like, okay, like you got you gotta understand. You pick this and this and that mm-hmm. to do this and this and that. You know, every action has the consequences or something there there have you know. And it's just I, I'm really interested in it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm really hyped about it. That's dope, man. I'm looking forward to it. That's gonna be exciting for you. But that's the cool thing about Boys and Girls Club nonprofit. 
when I when I like when I was growing up, I always wanted to start a charity, but I always thought like I had to have money to do it right for Boys and Girls Club. All I need to do is donate my time, and I know you have a similar goal in mind too. Talk about your goal for your charity. So, being that what what my past growing up where I grew up, uh, you know, coming from nothing to something. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying everything, but from something from nothing to something, and working hard the way I do. And noticing what happens, what's around us and our surroundings, right? So yeah, so with my, my background and um, where I grew up and watching a lot of these kids, especially in the nonprofit organization that we work with, a lot of them don't have that that male role model, what have you, or some of them go home, like their parents work three to four jobs, yeah, and which is why they're in the program because they have no nowhere to go after mm-hmm. after you out of school, so. And then a lot of times too, which becomes an unfortunate situation, some people lose their housing and they mm-hmm. lose everything and they become homeless. Now, with that, parents become homeless. That means kids become homeless. But the kids, they ha- they do have some form of hope. They could go in through the program, the system, right? Mm-hmm. Go through like child foster system, blah, blah, blah. But they get lost. Then their parents they can't find them. They get split up. Yeah, their parents can't find them. And so now they're stuck having to be homeless and eating what their parents eat, whatever they can scrap up and all that. And so with that mindset, I've always wanted to do something. I want to do more, more than what's available to me. Like, I don't mind if I break the bank, if what, what have you. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't mind doing that as long as I could make an impact as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And one of my goals is starting next year, hopefully, I want to start like a nonprofit organization to where I go out into the homeless societies, mainly focus on the kids. Like, give them socks. Because mm. being homeless, that's a very important thing. Yeah. Socks. Socks, sandals, um, food vouchers, food, what, whatever, like, I could do to help. Because once you don't eat, you deprive your brain of food, water, you start losing brain cells. And mm. you start, like, not being so cognitively aware. Right. right? And... So I want to help them be more aware of what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. And so that way they could, let's just, you never know that one kid, let's say one of those, like say if I do a hundred kids, one of those kids find a way out of being homeless and helps his parents and then helps themselves and then become like a future doctor, lawyer, what have you, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just, it start. it has to start somewhere. Right. And. I'm willing to put my foot through that door. Like mm-hmm. I know it's gonna be a tough challenge, like finding funds. But being that an organization that we work in, Boys and Girls Club, mm-hmm. they have resources that I could reach out to. Exactly, you're already off to the right yeah. start. You know, finding the resources to help these kids keep them on the straight and narrow, rather than having to go and steal. Um, one one of the things that really really made me want to do this next, starting next year, to be honest, was a. Uh, like in March, March or something of this summer, mm-hmm. before the summer, I got selected to, for a jury. Mm-hmm. And it had to do with this guy who's been homeless pretty much his whole life. Oh, okay. He's been by himself since he was 13. Right? 13, he's been by himself. But now he's he was 20 at the time when he got arrested. Okay. And uh, so he spent all his life homeless, not knowing what he's going to eat. And then so he scrapped up some change and he went to go buy some alcohol. And the clerk at the alcohol thing literally beats him up, like beats him up to a pulp. Really? But he gets arrested for trespassing and harassment and assault and battery. 
What? Yeah, so wow. we watched the video mm-hmm. and we realized that he wasn't at fault. Yes, he, he was aggressive. He was an aggressor, but he wasn't he wasn't like yeah. trying to fight. He was just running his mouth. That's all he was doing. He was just trying to buy some alcohol to stay warm. It was Christmas time. It was cold. Because mm-hmm. you remember how cold it was last year? Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was freezing. Really cold. And it rained a lot. And so he had his little blue blanket. I, bro, I remember it vividly. Mm-hmm. He had his little blue blanket, and all he wanted was some alcohol to stay warm. And the guy wouldn't sell it to him. So as we're sitting in the jury, um, we're talking about it, and everybody sees him guilty. They're like, oh no, he's guilty. They watched the video, same video I watched. He's guilty. He's guilty. Cool. So I'm like, all right, how about we run a scenario? How would you feel if I did this to you? They're like, I wouldn't feel anything. I'm like, exactly. I'm just talking to you. But if I came at you, yeah, okay, fine. So I ran a bunch of scenarios and they understood. And they try to make it more about his homelessness. Like, mm. like that's the reason why he's doing this. No, that he just wanted some alcohol. Yeah. And he got Pushed, and he tried to defend himself, and he got beat up. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. And the moment I saw that, I'm like, damn. Since he was 13 years old, he didn't ask for this. No. He just wanted some. He just wanted something to drink. He didn't. He wasn't trying to get food. He was trying to get something to drink, mm-hmm. just to stay warm and not have to deal with that cold weather that we all had to deal with. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were in the house and we were still cold. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Imagine, Imagine him outside, on the street. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, okay, how do I? myself help them so then I started talking to some people and I actually came up with a title and I want to I I want really want to get it trademarked at some point but it's called power for kids Mm. right because I want to give the kids the power to do more than they think they're capable of because they're in us in a a matter of speaking shitty situation Mm -hmm. right they didn't ask to be put in. Their parents didn't ask for it either. They just got the bad straw. They just yeah. got a short straw, and that was it, you mm-hmm. know? So if you could help in any way, help those kids, man, you never know. I always said, man, if I became rich, if ever I became rich, I would open, like, a apartment building. I would get, like, a whole complex, and I would give it to the homeless people, mm-hmm. right? In a way, I wouldn't just give it to them. I would give them two to three months to clean up, sober up, find a job, and then start paying me. But that money they pay me, I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't need it. I would just use it for them. I mm-hmm. would put in savings for them until they were able to take care of themselves and buy them a house with it, what okay. have you. So that way they could take care of themselves and also take care of their loved ones. You That's know? great, yeah. And, but it's, it's, it has to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take me a while to get I know I know I'm going to get rich at some point in life. Mm-hmm. Not because I need the money, but because of so much I could do with it. Right. You know? But right now, I don't have it, so I have to start getting grants, mm-hmm. loans, and all that stuff just to help the ones that I want to help. Mm-hmm. So I started writing out my business plan, but I realized I don't really need a business plan. Mm-hmm. I could just do it. Because anything put on paper, yeah, you could get sued. Mm-hmm. But if it's not on paper and I'm just trying to be a good Samaritan, you can't sue me. Right. All I got to do is just show up and do what I need to do to help these kids because... Like I said, they didn't ask for the situation mm-hmm. at all. They no. just, just want to live. They just want to eat. They just want to sleep. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to help them. And like, like we said, you know, we're in a great position to do that with the company we work for. We have a lot of resources. When I talked to my supervisor about it, she told me, yes, we will get you resources. Okay. That's you great. Know? Yeah. Because especially if I'm working around the Garden Grove area, that's where most of them are. Santa Ana, Garden Grove area. Mm-hmm. If I could start those two areas... And then if it becomes 
like one of those things where it becomes nationwide mm-hmm. I'm with it like mm-hmm. it's just I, I'm up to the challenge I've accepted the challenge the moment I put those words out into into the universe you know mm-hmm. and so I, I just hope that hopefully like everything falls into fruition the way I'm planning it to be like mm-hmm. my energy's there the, the surrounding factors are there it's just mm-hmm. a matter of putting it into action yeah and putting it into action means requires you know going out and begging a little bit mm-hmm. but who cares yeah you know, not so get, much begging but like just telling people what you you plan on using with their money you know yeah I mean? yeah so you'll get a thousand no's before you get one yes but mm-hmm. does that this should that discourage you no no if, if you really believe in what you're about to do a thousand, a million no's wouldn't discourage you. Yeah. You just go out, all right, no, thank you, appreciate your time. And then you never know, that same person that said no to you might be the person to come back and give it to you. Right. You know? Yeah, because you're in their mind now, yeah. right? And Depending then, on how well you pitched your idea or exactly. well pitched your, you know, your charity. And if they see it on the street themselves, let's say that same day, they walk on the street, they see a kid like running around yeah. homeless and then that hits them, you know? They're like, damn, I didn't, know, I didn't notice it. Because just like the same thing with a car, right? The moment you get your car, how many times do you see it? All the time. All the time. But before you had it, you never noticed it, right? No. See? Same thing. Like, you put the idea in their head, and, like, it's in there. It's somewhere in there, and then you see it, like, oh, mm-hmm. wait, that's there. I never noticed that before, and it could be right next to their house. Mm-hmm. And they never noticed it. Mm-hmm. It's like tunnel vision. Yeah, that's tunnel true. Vision. Yeah, you can't see outside of that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's the same. I'm the same way when I'm driving home, like tunnel vision. Like, I, when I'm going home, and I'm like, I need to get out of that, start turning my head a little more, see what's out there. Mm-hmm. Like, driving out here, bro. I was like, I never know that that was here. Like, there's this thing called Palm Beach tanning. That's I thought that was only oh. in Palm Beach. <laughs> you know? Like, we have that in, in, in Florida. Yeah, like, yeah. What, what's going on here? You know? It's a cheap knockoff. We migrated. <laughs> but it, it's a, one of those things, like, you just got to mm-hmm. put your best foot forward. And the moment your best foot's forward, mm-hmm. you don't take a step back. Mm-hmm. Just keep pushing forward. Keep pushing. Yeah. And then I'm sure you're going to have all the success with it, too. Because as long as people know you're genuine and, and receive that message that you're trying to give off, I mean, people are going to sponsor that well. And like you said, just working with the organization we work with now, we're, we're already, like, I feel like you're already ahead of the game. Sorry, pulling connections and, you know, the sponsors that they already have. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you kind of pitching your own idea. I'm sure a lot of them are going to be on board as well. Which is why one of those one of these days, like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna schedule a sit down with the CEO mm-hmm. and see if maybe we could do my program mm-hmm. through them. Yeah, okay. If we could do it through like them, starting it. Yeah, yeah, that would be even perfect because then now we could have it as a outsourcing activity, like for let's say high school kids who need community service hours. Yeah, because that teaches them like responsibility. Give it back. Yeah, mentorship and all that stuff. Being having a sense of community, mm-hmm. you know, and. Th- if that's one of those things like I do I need to schedule an appointment with him just go to his office one day and just sit down and talk with him mm-hmm. have that like as one of the things that we provide like we don't just care about kids in our program we care about kids all around us mm-hmm. trying to help them be better and I think that that should be something like powerful in mm-hmm. itself that's why it's called power for kids man yeah of Give course that man. power putting it in their hands too yeah that way they know they have access to it and that's just it's not being delegated onto them yeah it's great to hear Anything else? Yeah, my dolphins suck. <laughs> <laughs> They're tanking this year. Yeah, oh my. They they may go on record for one of the worst teams ever in NFL They're tanking this year. Yeah, for sure. But no, man, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I really been, appreciate it. It's been a pleasure coming, man. Like, mm-hmm. I was nervous at first, but I got over my, my nerves. I realized mm-hmm. I could be literally 
I could speak to people. Mm-hmm. I really can. Yeah. But I don't know. I get nervous. Yeah. And I, I think get, everyone does. I have to get myself out of that nervousness. Mm-hmm. And then the moment I do, it's, it, everything clicks. All right. Appreciate it, man. This was really fun. It, it was. Damn, it was deep. It was deep. I appreciate you having me on. Mm-hmm. And, man, like I said, wish you all the successes, man, because... You have the makings of a great broadcaster. Thank like, you, man. You have Appreciate the makings. It. Like, bro, I watch your videos on YouTube. Hey. All, all of that. I, I even, I'm going to subscribe to your channel, by the way. Okay, okay, I, okay. I've watched all your stuff, and I'm like, man. Like, all right, I've seen you on the sports end, like, mm-hmm. being who you are on the sports end. But as far as a broadcaster, mm-hmm. like, you go from zero to 100, like, real quick. You know? Because you know your stuff. Mm-hmm. And just putting all that knowledge out there for people to see, bro. More power to you, man. Trying, man. Just trying. Try my best. So just keep doing you, man. Keep Mm -hmm. doing what you do. And make people laugh the way you do. Make people smile through sports the way you do. And the sky's the limit. Not even the sky, bro. The universe. Yeah, you know, the stars. The stars, the galaxy. It's all yours, man. Just take it. It's up for the taking. Take it. Noah Alvarez here to wrap things up on this episode, episode 73 of the My Mike and I podcast. A reminder, this show is available on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud. Also tune in and Stitcher. And don't forget we're available on the Big Heads Podcast Network as well. So shout out to them for putting us on. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Noah Alvarez or on Instagram at Noha underscore Alvarez. Also follow the My Mike and I page on instagram my period mike and period i i'm going to be posting weekly questions for the listeners you the listeners to participate in i'll try and get them up on twitter and facebook as well and we'll try this again we will be better please leave a rating and review at your earliest convenience it'll help get new listeners a better idea of what the show is all about be sure to subscribe be sure to follow be sure to like be sure to share us with one of your friends That'd be a great way of promotion. Nothing better spreads better than word of mouth. And yeah, just to wrap things up, to steal one of the quotes from Max and I's conversation, remember, when you're out there doing something, why choose good when great is possible? So go out there and do something great today. Hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast. I'm Noah Alvarez, signing off. Till next time. <laughs>